so my expectation uh, going into the group, I think it was, my like misconception was that it was going to be like way churchier um, and way more like formal and honestly kind of awkward and maybe like a little boring. So going into the group, I don't know if I really had expectations other than I hope that they do not kick me out of the group because I'm very strange. I've got really weird thoughts. I've got all of this shame from my background. Um, and so I just hope that I can be accepted and maybe even asked back. My expectation of a small group is that I would have wine every week, but I wouldn't have to pay for wine every week. That's real. <laughs> so my expectations coming in uh, to my soul group were to um, and get in a circle with some other guys in, in my stage of life um, who are trying to run after the same thing. Um, and hopefully, uh, just through that process, um, learn a lot about ourselves um, and just grow together. Uh, I would say that my expectation going into a group was to uh, be in community with a bunch of people that I was going to have to kind of put on a show for. Um, not really be able to talk about my real problems. Um, a group that was going to kind of make me feel shamed or um, anything like that because of where they were at and that didn't end up being the case at all. Um, I'm surrounded by all these incredible people that have come around me and shown me that uh, they're not only struggling with a lot of the same things but they're also uh, super invested in helping me walk through them as well. So we've all just been able to really come together and run after Jesus together. Um, and I would say like what I actually found I'm generally a pretty guarded person. Uh, I have a hard time and I'm pretty slow to like trust. Um, and I'm pretty good at putting on a face, putting my best foot forward. Um, and I found a group of people that I can genuinely be in, like only myself and exclusively myself with. Um, so it's a, it's a very safe place. Um, and I think that's been the biggest impact on my life. Just kind of sitting back and watching other people and looking at them and listening to some of their story and being like, wow, they are really weird. Wow, that person is super weird. And then being like, oh my gosh, these are my people. This, I can be here. I can't do perfect, but I can do weird. Um, and so just being part of a group, just being with these people that we can be weird together, running after Jesus together, just totally above and beyond met my expectations. Our small group was totally God sent. We ended up all being in really similar stages of life. We all got married in the same year almost. We started having children at the same time. Um, and it was just a really awesome season to get to enjoy all of those changes uh, with people that we really loved. I think the biggest way that my group has, has impacted my life um, has been through their safety. Uh, the biggest thing, that I need a lot of times um, is not a lot of answers, but uh, people who really know how to listen. Um, and that group has provided me the opportunity um, just to come in and spill all my emotions, uh, talk about the good things, the bad things that are going on in my life, um, and know that at the end of the day, uh, those guys are gonna have my back, they're gonna love me, um, they're gonna support me and push me to be the best version of myself that I can be. Hey, I think, uh I think probably the two things that jump out from that video for me was when Ann goes, I don't do perfect, but I do weird. And that should be like the t-shirt for this church, right? Because um, none of us are perfect, but, but you, we're weird. We know that. And the other thing is the, the last young man, Christian, when he said, uh, most of the time I don't need somebody to like, give me advice. I just need somebody to listen. You ever feel like that? Just don't talk. Just listen. 
And I, and I just share. And I, I, I think that's one of the best things happening about, about groups. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, we have been answering some, some really big questions about our life with God, uh, our lives with ourselves, and, and our lives with, with, with one another. And we have been defining and un- unpacking some, some terms and some uh, kind of key ideas about, about how, how we got to where we are today. However we are today, h- how did we get here? But also, what, what might need to be changed or, or embraced to see something different, and by different I mean better, happen? in our future. Our past does not have to define our future. It certainly doesn't have the right to condemn our future, but some things might need to, to change. And so as we wrap up this circle, uh, at Rosen Circle series we've been in, uh, where we have seen thousands of people, literally thousands of people, um, take, take a risk. And, and that's a really, really important phrase. I want you to hold on. This is where we're going to land today, because it's a risk. What they've done is, is they've been coming and they've been, um, they've been uh, sitting in rows and they're taking a risk to step out and, and join a, a small group or a circle of people who go, I, I want to run after the same thing that you're, you're running after. It's, a, it's the exact same thing, right? And I want you to remember that. Um, see, as we launch into um, this study, uh, uh, next, starting next week, next week we're going we're to launch into a study of the Sermon on the Mount. Let me just time out, commercial. I know it's Labor Day. I know you have plans. You should change them. There, all right? Because I'm telling you, we're going to launch into something that is, it's like the, it's the, it's the best three chapters in the Bible, if I'm allowed to say that. Uh, it's like everything else that Jesus says can be tied back to these, these three, three chapters, all right? So, so uh, as we look at that, starting next week, and you're going to be here for that, uh, um, uh, here's what I thought to myself. I was like, why don't we just use today, like as a, as a day of, uh, of review, and, and also not just a, a review of where we've been, but also I, I'm going to push really hard today, uh, probably harder than I've ever pushed before, and that's for you to make a decision. We, we talk about this all, all the time about you got to draw a line in the sand sometime and actually take your thoughts and actually do something with it. And so I, I want you to move today beyond maybe agreeing with me, because a lot of us are going to go, yeah, what you're saying is probably true. Let's don't stop there. Let's actually take it another step and, and say, I want this vision I have for my life to become a reality. And so, so today, I just want to tell you this, is that I, I, I don't even want to try to teach you anything new. So if you get in your car after a while and go, I didn't learn anything new, well, you're welcome, all right? But, but, but here's, here's my, my bigger goal is I want to go back and look at stuff that you already know and maybe let it settle in for the first time. I mean, we have so much information now that we're not using, but, so I'm not going to give you a bunch more. What, what if we actually took some stuff that we've been thinking about and decide, you know what, I actually... I'm going to incorporate that into my life. I'm going to put it into practice for myself. That's my goal today, for you to take a step. And I'm going to push hard. So if you don't like sales, you should, you should leave now, okay? So over the past couple of weeks, here's what we've been looking at. We, we've been looking at, at, at these big questions. What kind of person do you want to be? And then what kind of life do you want to live? And just time out again, the Sermon on the Mount, which I start next week and you're going to be here for it, all right, um, that's what it's all about. Jesus answers the question, this is what a good person is, and, and this is the kind of life that a good person lives. It's a good life. That, the whole Sermon on the Mount is about that. But however you answer these questions for yourself, that is the vision for your life, good or bad. I, I, another way to say that would be, would be this, um, the vision for your life is, I want to be the kind of person who lives this kind of life, and whatever that is, it's going to take a certain person to, to live that kind of life, and that's what I want. That's what I want. And listen, the, the, the vision for your life and the kind of life that you live, it's not dependent upon your circumstances. Well, if my circumstances were different or, or if I was younger or older or if I was healthier, if I was a man, if I was a woman, if I was married, if I was divorced, if I had more money, if I had less money, 
whoever you are, all right? Uh, um, no matter what your career is, your education, whatever that is, that's not what we're talking about. But your vision for your life will impact all of those areas of your life because the kind of person that you are is an internal reality that will come out and it will impact all the most important uh, parts and, and relationships in, in, in your life. Not because you get up out of here and go try to be a good man or a good woman or you try to live this, this kind of life, but, but because that's just who you are. You've actually, over time, and growth takes time, you've actually become the kind of man or the kind of woman that that's just, that's just what comes out of us. But even if you're sitting here right now over the last couple of weeks going, I wanna be this kind of man, I wanna be a good man, I wanna be a good woman, whatever that is, and I wanna live this kind of life. Listen, you, it may be noble, it may line up exactly with what God says he wants for your life too, but the truth is, is that a lot of us aren't experiencing that. We say we want it, and we, we say we want that to happen in our life, but nothing has changed. And let's be honest, Christians, we've been Christians for a long time, and nothing's really getting better. No, nothing changes until you take that vision and, and continue on to the next, the next step. You must intentionally start building and pursuing a strategy to see the vision for your life become a reality. You're going to have to do something different. If what you say you want for your life is actually gonna happen. And Jesus said that the best strategy for, for that, to become that kind of person and to live this really, really good life, he's, it's very simple. He just says, just come follow me. Just come follow me. And over time, it, it's gonna happen. Come, come follow me. What do you mean? Just spend time with me. Just listen to me. Get to know the real me. Watch me do what I do. You know, like kind of kind of watch and, and see how I think. And eventually, once you begin to you know see how Jesus thinks, then we maybe we'll start thinking like him. Maybe we'll see God the way Jesus sees God. Maybe when we look in the mirror, we'll see ourselves the way Jesus sees us. Maybe as we look around the world and we see people, we won't see them like we've always seen them, we'll see them like 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 the way Jesus sees them. And then whatever comes out of us, because we're thinking like Jesus now, will impact the people in our lives the same way that when Jesus walked around and he, he met people, he impacted their lives. Because we, we're not Jesus, but we're kind of like him on, on the inside, right? So that was what we looked at a couple weeks ago. And then last week, uh, we, we looked at this idea that a Christian or a disciple or a follower of Jesus or an apprentice, it's all the same thing, all right, right? It's not just a matter of, do you believe the right stuff about God? There's like five key things, and if you believe that, then, then that makes you a Christian. You know, it's, it's gotta be more than that. So when I say the word Christian, what, what do you want out of that? And here's where most of us would, would answer. We go, I, I just want, I, I wanna feel a little less guilty about my life I want a little, a little shame relief, maybe something like that. And I want some assurance that after I die, I go to heaven instead of hell. Is that all it is? And Jesus says, no, it's so much more. See, look, look at this. See, being a Christian, a disciple, and they're interchangeable, right? Being a, a follower of Jesus is stepping into a, a new life, an eternal life. I don't want a second shot at this life. I want a whole new life from above. I want to be a new person. And it starts not after you die. Eternal life does not start after your funeral. It starts the moment that they meet Jesus. You bump into Jesus, and then as you get to know him, you begin to trust him more and more and more. And Jesus says this, I, I will remove every obstacle that would keep anybody like you or her or him or me out of God's presence. I'll take it away. Everything that would separate you from God, I, I have the ability to, to take that away and you can actually live with God. Jesus called that living in the kingdom of heaven. We're gonna talk about that a lot over the next couple months. So that, that now with God, new things are possible. So you might wanna rethink everything. 
You might want to rethink you know, your life. You might want to rethink your relationships. You might want to rethink all the important parts of your life. And then as you get to know Jesus and how he thinks, you begin to align your life with what he says is right and true. And then eventually you'll become the same kind of person he is so that you live the same kind of life that Jesus said he came to give you. And by the way, the life that Jesus said he came to give you, it's not an easy life. It's not a conflict-free life. He says, but it can be an abundant one. It can be joyful. It can, you can have peace in your life. You can have, you know you, that you're a powerful person, not to abuse people, but to, to actually face the hard things of this life. And, and your life can, can last forever. That's what Jesus said he came to, to give us. And, and the phrase that we've been using over the last year in here, and it's actually become one of the, like the, 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 the values, the, like the big rocks that this church is built on. Uh, and what we're referring to is wherever you are in your life, whatever's going on right now in your life, it has to start somewhere. This journey towards actually kind of thinking like Jesus and beginning to align our lives with Jesus, we, we simply call it this, spiritual formation. It's a, big, it's a big idea, and we're gonna keep coming back to this over and over, because this is what we do. Now, now, let me just tell you this. If you go home today or you're on your phone right now, if you get bored, and you Google spiritual formation, there's all kinds of weird stuff out there. There's some jacked up stuff out there, you know, going, hey, that's spiritual formation stuff. That's, that's a cult, and that's this, and that's that, and whatever. And the reason there's a lot of jacked up versions of it out there is because there's a lot of jacked up people out there, right? So, so whenever you hear me talk about spiritual formation, I'm not jacked up. <laughs> Said every jacked up person ever, right? But... Um, Here's what I mean by that. Whenever you hear me or Ben or whoever stand up here teach about spiritual formation, here's what, here's what we mean by that. I don't know what the rest of the world means by it, but here's what I'm referring to. Spiritual formation is just this, identifying and then rethinking untrue or destructive ideas, thoughts, and def definitions about God, about yourself, and about the world around you. We talk about this all the time. When I say God, you think of something. When I, when I say look in the mirror, the person you, you, looking back at you, you have a whole bunch of judgments about that person. When I say people like that or people that do that or people that, are, that believe in that or people that are into stuff like that, you have a whole bunch of energy come up and you want to throw it at those people. Now, let me tell you what. There's a reason for that. And you know what? You might be right, but you might be wrong. And it just seems like it's worth looking at. And, and identifying where did this come from and then not just stop that, but maybe get to know Jesus better and replace our thoughts and ideas with the ideas and thoughts and definitions that fill the mind of Christ. And, spirit, and listen, the, the, while we're talking about this journey, it's, it's not for like religious elite people, super Christians or spiritual giants. Jesus says it's available to everybody. No matter what's going on in your life, it has to start somewhere. As a matter of fact, don't even try to change anything before you take that step towards Jesus. Whatever, wherever's going on in your life, before you try to change anything, just take one step in Jesus' direction. Listen to this. Spiritual formation starts the moment you take one step in the direction of following Jesus. All right? Some of you, it's today. You, you, you've never been in church like ever, and you're here today. You know what? You're going to look back Maybe a year from now, something. I'll tell you when my journey started, when I lost a bet with my mom or she wouldn't date me or whatever that is, and I came to church for the first time, and I started looking at my ideas and my thoughts about God, about myself, and about people like that, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm right on that. It's not really working for me. So, so you took a step in following Jesus, and here's why. For the purpose of getting to know him better, there's some, again, some jacked up versions of Jesus out there. I want to get to know the real Jesus better so that I can not only just trust him to forgive my sins, I mean, I don't want to go to hell, 
I'll give you that. I don't either, all right? So, so that's been taken care of. I don't have to worry about hell or condemnation anymore, but I want to keep going. I, I, want to, I want to keep going by putting his truth into practice. And the only way I would put his truth into the practice of my real life is because I trust him. And my goal is I want to build a life that stands up. Don't you? I'm so tired of every time the wind blows the wrong way, part of my life falls apart. One more time. And I, I want a life that, that, that stands up. And it starts with, and it does not start until you take that one step. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. You don't have to be you know, super spiritual and have many answers at all. But it starts with, I want to take one step in the direction of Jesus. I, I used a parable last, last week. I'm trying to write new parables. You know, Jesus, he would always compare like things that were unfamiliar with things that were going on in our life. And so I wrote this great parable last week about my, my grandkids. Any parable about my grandkids is just gonna be awesome. I just want you to know that. Uh, but, but Jonah and Emery started uh, kindergarten last week. And on their first day of school, they came back with some, some numbers. And the moment that they started, like, figuring out numbers, and by the way, they knew more than any other kid in kindergarten. I just want to say that. Um, but when they started, like, studying numbers, they joined a category of people on the planet called mathematicians. And it also it includes the, the department head, the PhD up at CU who oversees all, all mathematics. That person up there is just a little further along. But we all have to start somewhere. And the person up there that's teaching trigonometry and all that other satanic math stuff, whatever that is, <laughs> that just creeps me out. But, uh, but they started the same place Joan and Emery started. One plus one equals two. And it's the same thing with Jesus. We've got to start somewhere. And I want to throw out is that maybe you take a step today. Just one step. Right? See, see, being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, it's more than just a set of belief systems. We have so many things we say we believe but we don't do anything with. Being a follower of Jesus, is, it's a strategic journey that starts with that first step. And just, I just want to get to know Jesus. I just want to check him out from a distance for, for a while. And then as I get to know him, I want to rethink and replace my ideas with possibly the ideas of Jesus for the purpose of seeing those thoughts and ideas actually come out of me into my everyday life. And so what we've been talking about for the last couple weeks in here is a strategy. And it's not a strategy that Flatirons came up with or I sat in my office and went, I got an idea for our church. No, no. It, it's, we go back to the Bible and go, how did they do it? See, I, I don't know if, if the church in America 2,000 years after you know, Jesus started it, I don't know if, if we're perfect. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're not. I'm sure we messed up some stuff around, along the way, but, but the only way to know that we're actually close to what Jesus had in mind is to go back and look at the very first church that Jesus started and go, what, 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 what were they into? What kind of things were they doing as they were going after the same things that Flatiron says that we're going after? They want to know how Jesus thinks and replace their ideas. They're going after spiritual formation too. So let's go back to the very first church ever. So if you have a Bible with you or you have a Bible app on your phone or something like that, we're going to be in Acts Acts chapter 2, and Acts is just a, uh, it's a kind of an abbreviated word for actions. It's like the actions of the very first Christians. So you have the four Gospels or biographies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the story of Jesus. And then you have the book of Actions of the very first followers of Jesus. And so well, we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 2, and Peter, who's one of the disciples, the guy walked on water and denied Jesus and all that, but it got better. But anyway, um, he actually stands up in the temple where Jesus was sentenced to death about, about a month and a half before this. And he preaches the very first sermon in the very first church ever, says this is who Jesus is. And then about 3,000 men um, and their families said, we're in, we want to get baptized. They know this much about Jesus. 
They know this much about Jesus. They don't have him all figured out. All they know is, I've been a Christian, I guess, for like five minutes, and I want to get to know Jesus more. I want to know how he thinks. So what did they do in order to do that? Well, Acts chapter 2 says this. And they, the very first followers of Jesus, they devoted themselves. And that's a really, really important word, okay? Meaning we, we don't have time for everything in our life, and so we got to figure out what's important. That's important, right? Hang on to that. And so they said, okay, let's, let's devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. And so what they would do is because they'd all grown up Jewish and they'd actually become Christians in the Jewish temple, they didn't know what else to do, so they just went back to the temple. Or when the temple wasn't available, they probably went out in a field or something like that. And then one of the the men who had followed Jesus around for three years, he would stand up and he goes, okay, I want to teach you about Jesus. So one day, Jesus taught me this. One day, I saw Jesus do this. One day, Jesus said that this is what we ought to do. And so I want to teach you what he taught me. By the way, and this is what we talked about last week, That's all he tells us to do in the Great Commission. Whatever you've learned from Jesus, just pass it on to somebody else. Don't try to teach stuff you don't know. It doesn't work out well. And so somebody would stand up and go, I hung out with Jesus for about a year, two years, three years, and this is what he taught me, and this is my story. Nobody can argue with my story. Jesus changed this part of my life, and I just want to tell you about that. And so they would get together in these big groups, and I don't know if they sat in rows, but let's just go with it. It works my illustration, okay? So they, they would be in the temple, or they'd be in the field, and they'd be all sitting, listening to somebody teach them new information about, uh, about Jesus in, in rows. And then, and then they would get up from those fields, or they'd get up from that temple, or wherever they were, and we find those same people leaving the big group, and they would do this. They would, it says that they would meet, and they would teach one another in, from house to house. We can't all come to this big building. So how about, why don't you just come over to my house and let's try to unpack that, what that guy told us about Jesus. It says this, is that they would, they would gather together and they would eat meals together around tables in circles, right? And, and what they would do is they'd go, okay, I've never, I've never heard anybody say something like that. You're saying that Jesus says this is true. Can, can you come over to the house and we'll make a, pot roast or barbecue and pour some wine and, and, and sit on my patio and go, does that make sense to you? How, how would you incorporate that into your life? And they would encourage one another and then they would, they would pray for one another and they would do life together and, and then they would do things like this. You know, last week when we were on my patio, uh, you talked about this about your marriage or this about your whatever. How is this week going for you? Well, it's not going very well. I really screwed it all up and I fell apart. That's okay. In our circle, we don't throw stones at one another and they actually picked one another up and said, let's keep going together. Where, where are we going? We're trying to put into practice the things we've learned from Jesus. That's all we're trying to do. That's all we're trying to do. Now, now, let me tell you what I think is probably like one of the most important reasons to do what I'm asking you to do. And I'm, I'm asking you to do something really major. Here's the ask, all right? Um, I'm asking you to rearrange your life, <laughs> your busy life that you don't have enough time to do what needs to be done already. You can barely make it to all the stuff you've already com- overcommitted to. And I'm saying, hey, would you be willing to devote yourself to something new and push some, sides, some things apart and actually devote yourself to something really, really important? Would you be willing to rearrange your life and, and take a risk and step into a, a, a circle, a spiritual formation group? And here's why this is so important. I'm pushing hard, right? See, when, when, you, when you come to one of our campuses and sit in a row, or, or maybe, you're, again, you're on the other side of the world, uh, and, uh, and you've got a bunch of couches lined up in your apartment, and everybody from your complex is, is sitting in rows kind of staring at a, a screen right now. Listen, my only goal is this. I just want to teach you 
what Jesus has taught me, point you towards Jesus and what he says is true, and then the, the rest is between the two of you. This is what Jesus says works best in all the parts of a person's life in the world that he created, including, because let me just take some of the disclaimers away, including this broken world. See, we all agree this. This world is broken, right? And we all have a lot of broken parts in our life. But Jesus still knows what to do. It's not like 2018 caught him by surprise going, well, I don't know, you're on your own. He, no, no, he, he knows everything. And he knows what will work best in this part of your life, even though it's broken and you're trying to work it out in a broken, in a, in a broken world. Now, now so that's, my, that's what I'm gonna do week after week. This is what Jesus says is true. This is what he says works best still today, right? Now, now as good as that, that might be, if it stops there, and we just go, you know, okay, I, that makes sense. Here, here's, what, here's what a lot of us are going to do like 30 minutes from now. You're going to sit in here and you're going to nod your heads or, or whatever campus you're at. And you're going to go, that's, that's true. So you're you're going to walk to your car truck. And as you walk out there, here's what's going to go through your head. Never thought about it like that. Yeah, that, that, make, that makes sense. That, okay, that's good. You know, that's, that, that's probably true for a lot of people. I, I wish that would be true for me. And you know what? I need to pay attention to that. But now you're in traffic. And life gets crazy because you're already late for the thing you have to do after church. And you go, okay, I'll follow that way and I will get to it. But we never do. Not because we're bad people, we're just busy. So we never, nothing ever changes in our life, let alone moves to, towards what Jesus says is true. We mean to and we're gonna get to it, but we just never do. So I wrote another parable. Ta-da, you're welcome. It's a good one. You can tell this at work later. All right, so, so, um, so it would be like this. Imagine that you come into one of our campuses every, every weekend and I stand up here and I tell you this great and compelling message about how you ought to learn how to swim. Just go with it, all right? I'm not really talking about swimming, all right? Swimming is good and you go, swimming is good. And swimming is fun. Yes, praise the Lord, Jim. Swimming is fun, all right? And you know what? And how about this? If you would learn to swim, a day may come where your boat tips over and you're going to be fine, because you know how to swim. And how about this? So you're, you're gonna look out, out of your boat one day and one, somebody you really care about is drowning and you're gonna know what to do. And you're gonna sit in here and you're gonna go, that's, that's right, I, I, I should learn how to swim. I ought to, I ought to learn how to swim. And then we close the service with a song about the attributes of swimming, praise God. All right, so, all right, and then, then you leave. Now here's the problem, and you know I'm not really talking about swimming, right? What? Oh, yeah, right, okay, all right, so. Um, so here's the problem, and here's a description of what I would say a lot of our spiritual life is like. We know, we know we ought to do that. We, we, we know we should learn how to swim and we agree with all the, the ought to's but we never get around to actually learning how to swim. And here's the ironic part is we keep finding ourselves in situations where it feels like we're drowning. Or we look, about, look out and we see people that we really love being swept away and we go, I don't know what to do. And I, I, I wish I learned to swim. And I didn't. Right, is that, this sounds like familiar to anybody's life. It, it, does, it does mine. So when I talk about groups, listen, the purpose of groups and circles is not just to teach people what they ought to do. Of course we ought to do it. Jesus is so smart and he says this works best. We ought to do that, but we don't want to stop there. See, the goal or the purpose of groups is to, and what's this word? 
Train, it's really important. So in, in, in groups, what we're gonna do is we're gonna train disciples, and remember that word because we're gonna come back to a part, part of that word, is to train disciples to do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. Or how about this? We wanna train to know what to do before we find in a, in, ourselves in a situation going, boy, I wish I knew what to do now. I already know that. And I've used this metaphor a lot over the last couple of months, but it's, it's, it just nails it. Like if you're, if you're playing, you know, infield at a baseball game or something like that, and a ball comes off the bat at 100 miles an hour at your face, now is not the time to go, what should I do? Boom, you're dead. You're just unconscious, and they call timeout, and they haul you off, all right? See, no, now is, now is not the time to wish that you had prepared. Now is the time when all those hours of, ready, training need to kick in. All those hours off the field, all those hours in practice when the stands weren't full and nobody was watching, all those times you did it over and over and over and over and said, so what's the point of this? Over and over and over. And, 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 and this is the time when, when muscle memory kicks in and you just know what to do because you've been training for so long. But, but here's what most of us do. We just get mad at the batter. Or we blame the ball for breaking our face. But all, all that ball did was reveal that we weren't ready for what was coming at us. And we got knocked out of the game again. And that sounds very familiar to my life. So the key word is not do you know what to do. The key word is it's training. Because if we train in all the most important parts of our life, we'll know what to do. And the way that we train is this word discipline. It's the same basic word of disciple. A disciple is someone who's disciplining themselves. And that usually applies to physical activity or sports or diet or something like that. But it's true in all areas of life. Discipline, what do, you, what do you mean? See, a discipline, and this would this be a, take a picture of this, all right? So this is really great definition. A discipline is simply training now so that we can do in the future what we cannot do now by direct effort, no matter how hard we try. I just can't do it today, but if I were to train. I currently, after church, I'm not gonna even try this, but um, I can't run a marathon, all right, I would stroke out by the time I got to 287. I, I was just like, no, I can't do this. But if I were to train, maybe. I, I say all the time, I, I want to learn how to speak Spanish. I have some really good friends in Mexico City, but if I fly down there to Mexico City to, to visit my friend James and I get lost in Mexico City, I can't, like, make it up. I cannot force Spanish to come out of me. But if I were to train now, when I find myself in that situation, I'm ready. I got this. I've been training them for this for a long time, right? Um, There's a long list. I currently can't fly fish, I can't ride a motorcycle, and I cannot perform surgery. <laughs> if, if, I, if I say, yeah, I can, don't believe me, all right? But, but, but if I were to rearrange my life in such a way and say, I've got to put some things aside, and I want to go back to school, and I want to start studying and training to do that, new things become possible. Um, let, let's get a little more personal. I, I, I want to say can't. I currently don't contain my anger very well. I, I, I currently am not very good at forgiving my enemies. I'm not very good at loving certain kinds of people who do stuff that I think is just gross. And honestly, I, I don't even want to try. Right? But, but if I were to actually start training my mind to think different, let's get, let's get really personal. I currently don't love my wife the way Jesus says I ought to love her. Even though I talk about it all the time about, I, I need to be more attentive. I need to spend more time. And nothing really changes. And then I read parts of the Bible and I go, I, I can't imagine doing what Jesus says to do. I, I look at what Jesus says. And like, we're going to look at this Sermon on the Mount. Did I mention that? 
Start next week, and you're going to, I didn't know if I'd mention it. But anyway, um, Jesus is going to say some stuff, and I'm, I'm just going to look back at him and go, that's not realistic. That's, that is unreasonable. I mean, maybe that worked 2,000 years ago in your neck of the woods, Jesus, but this is America in 2018, and this is my life, and it just won't work anymore. I, that's how I feel sometimes, you know, but, which is why as we launch into this Sermon on the Mount starting next week, um, Jesus is going to say, this is what the whole thing's about. This is what a good person living a good life, this is what comes out of them. And we're going to read that. I'm just telling you over the next several months, uh, we're going to hear what Jesus says actually works best in this world. And our response is going to be, are you kidding, Lord? Are, are you, are you, you're going to have all these questions. So let me just tell you, uh, in, case, in case you don't want to come back, here, here's what's going to happen. We're going we're gonna to look at some very practical parts of our life, real intrusive parts of our life, and, and, our, and, our, and our feedback to Jesus is going to go, whoa, 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 time out. Are, 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 you're saying it's a sin to murder? Okay, I'll give you that one. But you're, are you saying it's a sin just to get angry? Are you saying it's a sin that if my marriage is a disaster and love left long ago, that I, I'm a bad person if I step out and, and meet somebody? On the side, are you saying that it's a sin if I get a divorce? Uh, there's that little verse in there that says, are you saying it's a sin if I actually marry a divorced person? Are you saying if I'm a bad person if I've done stuff like that? Is that what you're saying, Jesus? We're gonna, we're gonna hit all that. And you know what? I'm just gonna tell you, Jesus won't answer your question. Basically, you're missing the point. He will actually point us back to a better question. It goes like this, how'd we get here? That's a better question. How did we get here? Or like, um, okay, this is where what's going on in our life right now. Um, can't change that. But what was going on way upstream that eventually kind of led all the way back down to, and now this is my life? Let's look at that. He'll also call out this. So all the self-righteous Christians tune into this. Hey, just because you've never murdered anybody or you've never had an affair or you've never divorced your spouse, don't think that all the things you haven't done somehow make you a good person. Right? I mean, Jesus knows the reality, and everybody in this room, listen to my voice, knows the reality that there are people in this world who have never murdered anybody, never cheated on anybody, and, and never gotten a divorce, and they're the worst people ever in the worst marriages and homes ever, and then you're still holding on to this self-righteous card, yeah, but I've never done this, and I won't file for divorce, I'll make her do it before I do anything, and great, good for you, but your kids and your wife and your husband are curled up in a ball because they are trapped in a lonely, abusive, loveless marriage, family, and home, and you're holding on to that self-righteous card, it's not my fault, it's not my fault, because I haven't done that, and I haven't done that, and I haven't done that. You also haven't loved very well. There's something going on inside. Here's what some of us are doing right now. We are not coming to this series. Those are all my lines. You just, just dismantled all my lines, all right? So, but we're, we're going to cover all that in the next few months. Listen, listen, okay? There's no stones being thrown here. We cannot change our past. Wouldn't that be great? If there's a divine rewind button and we could get that back and do it, do it over, but we can't. But here's, here's what I believe Jesus is teaching us over the next several months. What, but what if we could take a look at what was, ha what was going on in our hearts or what's going on in our hearts right now? What is going on in our hearts back then and right now and then start understanding better what Jesus says about the human heart and what happens when life just gets nuts and crazy and confusing and depressing and loveless and abusive and lonely. What happens to our hearts when life is just crazy and then not just look back at Jesus and go, all right, you're, you're right, I should have done it different. Well, there's no point in saying that. But from now on, as I'm getting to know Jesus better, 
I'm starting to trust him better, and I'm starting to embrace his truth into my life, truth that begins to change me on the inside. What if I begin, out, out of the overflow of that, begin training on the outside so that the same things don't keep on happening? Not because I'm trying to be a different person, but because I am a different person, but I gotta put it into practice. I gotta get that muscle memory, because all I know is my past, and I want something better for my future. See, let, let's be honest, and this is so important. Nobody... And we've all watched the news the last couple of weeks. Nobody just murdered somebody or, or um, cheated on their husband or wife or filed for divorce because of one isolated thing that happened one day that nobody saw coming. Be honest. On both sides of, of the argument, right? Um, I'll, I'll just change to me. All my biggest regrets in my life were not because of one event. It was a progression of little steps and the little step didn't even feel like it was much and didn't even matter. But I put a hundred of those together and I'm way off track. Or, or um, um, a little frustration. Ah, oh, it doesn't matter. It's just a little frustration. And you put enough frustrations in a pile, eventually it's a big frustration and you get angry. Right? Or, or, or a lot of justifications and rationalizations why, why in this case I ought to be able to do this. And, and eventually it just all, all goes up and then it lands here. But the key word there is honest. Are you willing to be honest? honest about what's going on in your heart. Currently, and, and again, I'm, I'll just talk about myself. I know my heart. You know your heart. Like nobody else does. And you know, you know what, what goes on in here and what your heart is capable of. I do, and it's dark on its own, in isolation. We're capable of a lot of stuff. As a matter of fact, the biggest regrets in our life, if you would have asked us five years before it all blew up, we would have said it'll never happen. But it did. So before it happens again, why don't we go upstream and figure out what's really going on? Which brings me to the questions I want to leave you with. We're going to get out here on time. Three weeks in a row. Cheers. <laughs> Somebody clap. That was discouraging. Anyway, um, so here's a... <laughs> shut up. Here, what's so, up? Here's a question. So why would a person not want to do this? Why, why would a person say, I don't, want, I don't want to examine and compare my current ideas, thoughts, and beliefs and find out that maybe they're different from Jesus and then replace them with the ideas and thoughts and beliefs that fill the mind of Christ? Why would somebody go, I don't, I don't want to do that? And so I thought, well, let me just figure out all the excuses I've ever given. And I've given a lot. How about this? And this is probably the most common one. Hey, right now, I just don't have time to do that. I don't have time. So I'm going to call BS on that, okay? Because here's what I mean by that. Um, you have time to do everything that you consider important in your life. Somehow you find the minutes and the money to do it because it's important. I do. So the question is not do you have time. The question is, is this important or not? And you have to decide. That's intrusive. Let's move on to the next one. How about this one? Um, I, I'm afraid there'll be one more thing that I've tried and it won't work. I, I, me too. I've been to so many retreats and Bible studies and counseling sessions and stuff like that. It works for about six weeks and it fizzles out. Now what am I going to do? One more thing that didn't work. Here's a bigger fear though. I, I'm afraid that it actually will work. And I can't imagine my life working in this new, new way. I mean, I mean it's, it's like counseling. If you've ever been to marriage counseling, and I have, and some of you should really pray through that and go <laughs> soon. But um, if, if, if on the phone as you're making up, you're making your, your, your first appointment, if the counselor tells you what you're going to cover on the fifth appointment, you won't go to the first one. Because what you're going to cover down the road seems like so just impossible, you won't even show up. And so like, I can't even imagine my life without that. So I'm not even going to try. 
Or how, how about this is kind of related to it? I'm afraid that I'll have to look at something that I don't want to look at in my life, and I don't want to look at it. I don't want to look at my past. I don't want to look at what I've done. I don't want to look at what's happened to me. I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. Although you think about it all the time. Do you ever feel like this? Is that this thing that you say doesn't matter that you push down? It's like a time bomb, and it's a matter of time until it's just going to go off and blow up everything. And then sometimes you go, I just might as well pull the trigger now and get it over with. It's just me. Because sometimes I'm like, I don't, I don't want to think about that. But I promise, if or when your life ever blows up, it's, it's connected to that thing you don't want to talk about. Or how, how, about, how about this? Um, I, I know I have ideas, thoughts, and beliefs about my life, about, about marriage, about relationships, about sexuality, about money, about blah, 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 blah. I, I have a lot of ideas. And I know they're very different than what Jesus says is true. I get it. I just don't want to change them right now. You're right, it's wrong, it's a sin. I just like it, and I, I, I don't want to change right now. That's honest. So, almost done. So, uh, about four years ago, and you've heard me talk about this a lot over the last four years, um, I, I was in a really dark place in my life, and so I went to this retreat called Crucible Project, and since I went four years ago, about 1,000 men from this church have gone, and several hundred women have gone to Soul Beauty, which is the women's version of this, so let me just tell you about one, one thing. And by the way, I, I think that every person should go on that retreat when it's the right time for them, okay? If it's not the right time, it'll just be a disaster, so don't go. But, but if it's the right time, it really can be helpful. But I got permission to share this part. So, so at the men's retreat, on the first night you get there, there's this one exercise where uh, a man stands up and he's asked this question, what do you want for yourself? And a lot of guys haven't even thought about that. I don't know. I know what my wife wants for me. I know what my kids say they want for me. What do I want for myself? And the answers come back are really, uh, I mean, they're very, very, very diverse as much as, you know, I just want to know that my life counts. I want to know that my career is not a waste of time. Um, all the way to, I, I want to stop looking at pornography all the time. Or how about this? I'm just exhausted all the time. I want some peace. I just like to be, have some confidence in, uh, that I'm enough as a man. Listen, all those are good things to want. Those are really good things to want. And so it goes on and says, so, so what if you really went for it? And then what if you didn't go for it? Here, here's kind of the, the point of this whole exercise. No matter what you decide, I'm going to go for that and have it be part of my life, or I'm not. No matter what you decide to do, there's a risk involved. If I go for this so that I can, can become a good man and become a good husband, or whatever that is for, for you, if I do that, my, the risk is I might try it and fail, or I might try it and I have to give up that. And that's a risk for me. But if I don't go for it at all, then I know I'm going to lose them. But there's a risk e either way. If I don't go for it or if I do go for it, either way, that's a risk. And here's my point in all that, all right? Here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to look at the conversation you've been having in your head with me for the last 30 minutes. All the excuses and rationalizations you're putting up right now for why I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to join a circle. I'm not going to get in a group uh, for the purpose of aligning my life with God. Okay. Just know this. If you were to join a circle or if you choose not to join a circle, both come with a risk. Because if you do this, this might happen, but, but it might not. And if you don't do this, then certain things are going to happen too, right? And you just have to take a look at both the risk of joining a group or not joining a group and make a decision based on, is it worth it? Is it worth it for me to rearrange my life and give this a, a try? And you have to decide. 
So here's what I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got about six minutes left, all right? So let me, I'm gonna leave you the same way I've left you for the last two weeks. I wanna give you a, a, kind of a, the prelude to the Sermon on the Mount, which I start next week, by the way. Uh, um, and then I'm gonna give you the closing comments from that. So, so Matthew chapter four, right at the end of it, Jesus, it's, it's been about a year since his baptism. He's got his disciples following him, about 12 guys are following around and he's teaching things about God and he's, te- he's healing people, and he's, he's reaching out to, but the Beatitudes, which is the first like 12 verses of the Sermon on the Mount, it's a list of all the people that religion says God has no use for you. And we're gonna start there, because Jesus goes, I beg to differ. But he's going around, he's changing people's lives, and this is how it starts. It says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, which means rethink everything. Here's why, because the kingdom of heaven is, is available, it's at hand. Jesus says, I've removed every obstacle that would keep you, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, no matter what the circumstances of your life, I've taken everything away that would keep you out of the availability of the power and the presence of God and living all your life with God and experiencing a good life. And if that's true, you might want to re- repent. You might want to rethink all the parts of your life because now with Jesus, new things are possible. But it's up to you. You have to decide whether I'm going to step my life into the kingdom of, of God or I'm going to just stay out here on my own and hope for the best. So then he spends three chapters talking about this amazing possibilities for our life, that that goodness is available no matter what has happened in your life. God's presence is in in your life and new things are now possible for people like us. Then he ends his his message with this famous like parable, uh, Matthew chapter seven, uh, the last uh, like seven, eight verses of this. And I'm gonna paraphrase it, but, but this is my words of what Jesus said and you can look it up for yourself later. Jesus wraps it up by saying, so I didn't come just to give you more information about God and more religious data that you're not gonna use either. The reason I came here today is I would like to live life with you, all the parts of your life with you, but, but it's your choice. You get to choose, right? Um, if, if you wanna keep on living the way you're living and saying, I believe the right stuff about God, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to hell, but continuing to not incorporate anything of what Jesus says is true, in, in, into your life, please know, this is where it goes, in the world I created. He says this, is that the storms of life are gonna hit your life. And not because you're a bad person, because life just is full of storms. And, and, and storms are gonna hit your marriage and, and your sobriety and your family and your kids and, and your own you know, heart. And, and here's what's gonna happen if you continue to, to, to disregard what I say actually works. That part of your life, it's gonna fall apart. I'm gonna use Jesus' words. And the house fell with a great crash. And it's not, your, your life's not falling apart because God is punishing you and he's mad at you. He just created the world and he knows how it works best and how it will fall apart. And he says, listen, my truth stands up no matter what storm hits your life. Right? My truth was true 2,000 years ago when it came out of my mouth. And my truth is still true in the storms of life today. So let me leave you with this. There's a risk to sitting in a row, coming in here. And let me just say this. Some of you, you took a huge risk even coming to one of our campuses or or, or agreeing to, to watch online right now. You haven't paid attention to God in a long time, but for some reason you are right now. And I want to just say welcome. That was really brave and courageous for you to be here today. Just go at your own pace. We're not going to shove anything down your throat. So there's a risk coming here, right? Because you've got to rethink some stuff. There's also a risk um, to joining a circle and taking an honest look at the parts of your life that are working and not working. Either way, there's a risk to do it. But you have to decide. 
And I'm just going to give you a little advice. This just makes sense. It's risky either way, but it makes better sense to look at your life upstream right now before it all flows down and destroys another part of your life. There's a risk either way. It's hard to look at your life either way. It just makes sense to, to, to look up here. So I, I, I'm so, I guess I'm so passionate about this is because um, it works. <laughs> I said this last night, and I probably get in trouble for it, but um, I'm smoking what I'm selling. <laughs> explain that to your mom in the car, right? Uh, it's okay, mom. Some moms are going, I'll explain it to you, kids. All right, later. Uh, here's what I mean by that. Hey, I'm going to go a couple minutes over. Um, just a couple showed up. Uh, circle saved my life. Four years ago, my life was dark, and you didn't know it. I'm Pastor Jim. Everything's good at my house, right? But fear, shame, and insecurity had put a cap on my life, and it was a matter of time until I pulled the trigger and went, let's just get it over with. And so I went to that retreat, and I went far away. I went to Texas hoping nobody would know me because I, I don't trust Christians. I'll be honest with you. Churches have destroyed my family. My dad was a pastor. They broke his heart. And so the last thing you want to be in church is real. So I went to another state. And basically I said, this is who I am. And I handed out bullets. And I expected to be shot. And nobody shot me. I got grace. But I was in Texas. And then I came back here. Now what do I do with that? And, and about three and a half years ago, um, I, I, I became a part of a circle of men. It was nine men at the time. We whittled it down to five. Which is fine. Um, and this, this group of men know everything about me. And they have saved my marriage. They have saved me being the pastor of this church. And they have helped me avoid all the things upstream that have the potential to flow downstream and devastate everybody connected to me because I'm capable of it. And so if you're sitting here going, I don't think I need that, you're better than me. Because it's, it's changed my life and it's God's plan for his church. We have Jesus but we have to have one another. And so if you're even thinking about, even considering it, go to one of the lobbies right now or, 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 or go, go online or call in and go, okay, help me understand this group thing a little bit more. Am, are we gonna sit around and cry and sing Kumbaya? Gosh, I hope not. Um, but just put your toe in the water and see where it goes. There's a risk either way. One minute over. Uh, I'm done. Let's stand up, and uh, I'm going to pray at all our, uh, all our campuses. We're going we're to sing this awesome song about God's faithful to, faithfulness to us. His faithfulness is in spite of our lack of faithfulness. Lord, um, right now, we have all these conversations going on in our head about why we can't do that, why we shouldn't do that, what's at risk if we do that, but... God, there's some of us right now at a crossroads in our life going, something needs to change. And I want it to change before I get served papers. I want, to, I want it to change before I fall off the wagon. And I want, to, I want it to change before a cop shows up at my door and tells me, so I need to talk to you about your, your kid. I, I need things to change now, upstream. And even if I'm in the middle of a storm right now, I need a rock that I can plant my feet on that every time the wind blows, I won't fall apart again. And so... God, I wish I could have a different past, but I don't. 
but I can't have a different future because new things are possible in the kingdom of God. Jesus, that's what you promised. And so I pray that thousands more people will take a step across that line and go, I'm gonna try this. I'm gonna follow Jesus. That's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.